it was UFC fight night last night. Let me ask, you stayed up nice and late to watch uh, people beat some ass in Abu Dhabi, a.k.a. Yaz, a.k.a. Fight Island. Now, Rowdy, was it worth it staying up that late to watch people get their asses kicked in Abu Dhabi? After official review, I'm going to say no. Just because 5 a.m. came extremely early this morning. <laughs> 5 a.m. always comes really early. They were just there were two fights that I really wanted to watch, and obviously they were the last one and third to last one. Yeah, because so the last one was obviously like the main, main event, main, main event. And like they were decent fights, but not as good as the prelims and slash the undercard. And yeah, definitely, if I would have known, if I would have known the outcome <laughs> before, but I didn't get to watch it. I still would I would have passed on. Sure. Did um was it better was it better than UFC 251 that happened over the weekend? I'm going to go with the prelims were better, but the the, mains weren't. the main events weren't as good. And how did the main main event it was uh how do you say the guy Ige? Ige versus who? Calvin Cater. And how I mean that was a good fight. What Cal- happened? Calvin Cater basically dominated. Did he win decision? Was it what was it? Yeah, he won by unanimous decision. I'd say over five rounds, Ige probably won one round. Cater probably won the other four. Gotcha. All right. Well, at least it's something, right? Because you, I tuned into the Brewers. By the way, the Brewers won again last night, folks. The Brewers. I should probably do this. Won again. How about it? The Brewers notch another victory. Omar. Navias goes yard, two-run shot. They get it done. And you tried to take that. Uh, the gold team takes game two. Two-nothing series lead, courtesy of a Navias home run, two-run shot. Rowdy, you tried checking it out, and again you fell victim to the your internet. internet. Yeah, so I <laughs> and popped it on at. You know, was it 645 or so? Yep, yep, yep. What happens? Very slow to load. You have gremlins in the system? Very slow. Then it finally pops up, probably after... How long five, did you get it for? Five to ten minutes for about a second, and then it went into that black loading. Yeah. The, refreshed the it. The screen of death. Refreshed it. It comes up a little faster. Back to the black loading screen. Fade to black. My computer had about 5% left in it. Where was your charger? Upstairs. Didn't really didn't want to get out of that recliner. Getting up the couch. Re- couch or rec- recliner? Couch. And, yeah, I said, screw it. I'm not walking up there and trying this again. Do so, you have a recliner? Yes. Was 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 Papa, Papa raised back on the recliner? Or are you feeling the couch that th- No, I was just night? on the couch. Yeah. But, yeah, after that, after two tries of it not loading... I said, screw it. I'm just going to watch UFC 100%. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was watching some of the Blue and Gold series last night. There was some there's some good moments, obviously. I, I, it wasn't as exciting as the night before, just because the, the shine had kind of worn off of it a little bit. Yeah, and then you realize that you're actually just watching <laughs> two different brewer teams yeah. play each other. Yeah. I mean, Brent Suter was on, you know, how Christian Yelich was mic'd up for the first game. Brent Suter was on the mic uh, last night. That was pretty funny, man. Brent Suter is a definitely, a, he's a character. He even put on a Jim Carrey impersonation. Now, Jim Carrey, I'm, I was a huge Jim Carrey fan in the 90s and early 2000s. Now, eh, 
I, I can I couldn't tell you a good movie he's made probably in about a decade, but I was once a huge Jim Carrey fan. Now uh, it's waned a little bit. But Brent Suter put on a Jim Carrey impersonation and called an inning as Jim Carrey or a couple at bats. He even did all the weird facial expressions that Jim Carrey does. In fact, Brent Suter kind of looks a little bit like Jim Carrey uh, to a degree, I guess. But he he was he was doing some calls. I'll play it later coming up in the show. Brent Suter was having some fun. When it comes to guys who like to have fun in the Milwaukee Brewers, Nelly, I think it is Brent Suter. That guy's a character. I, I like him. And his nickname is The Raptor. He didn't pitch, though, right? Because he pitched the night before. Yeah, he was just kind of doing some, he was doing some calls and whatnot. And um, he was just hanging out with the broadcast crew, doing their thing. It was pretty, it was pretty entertaining. Pretty entertaining, man. Uh, Keston Hira. How about this? Keston Hira was scratched as a precaution for... And I quote, arm fatigue. Um, well, I mean, he did when he was drafted. He did have a bad elbow. I don't know if it has anything to do with arm fatigue. He had right arm fatigue. The Brewers scratched second baseman Keston Hira from the lineup because of right arm fatigue. Then they cut short uh, Brett Anderson's start because he had a blister. That represented the team's first non-COVID-related medical matters since the players returned to action this month. Now, uh, they said Hero was supposed to play the game wearing an earpiece and a microphone for the webcast last night, uh, but obviously it was scratched because of that. And to your point, Nelly, they, on Brewers.com, they say Hero does have a history of elbow issues dating back to his college days at UC Irvine. And the Brewers knew of a right elbow injury before they drafted him ninth overall in 2017, but he was able to avoid surgery by undergoing treatment instead, and he had not experienced any major arm trouble since. I yeah. think it's just here is just like, dude, can I just sit this one out? That's why he fell in the draft to the Brewers, because they didn't know if he needed Tommy John as a technically a second baseman. Now, um, David Stern said last night about his level of concern for Hira and his arm fatigue he said quote i'd term it precautionary at this point you're not even when you hear a little uh trouble with his arm do you, do you get a little worried for a cast daddy no not not really especially because if there was a season where he should have a procedure or be he, yeah it would be this season or if it was a, a time where you could hide him playing dh yeah they got a dh this year <laughs> they do um, let's see here. They talk, uh, the Brewers also categorized Anderson's blister two innings of work as precautionary. And then they say, um, Corbin Burns, he touched 98 miles per hour yeah, I with saw his a lot fastball. Of Corbin Burns love on the uh, Twitter sphere. His fastball was rocking, touched 98. He retired all seven batters he faced with seven strikeouts, seven batters, seven strikeouts, including Burning Christian Yelich with the final punch out. You're out! See? On a slider. How about Burns with the slider? So Burns is followed by another hard thrower, Josh Hader, who recorded two outs before reaching his pitch limit and ending the game. Yeah, so if we go back go. to uh, Corbin Burns, he's obviously struggled the last couple of years. Yes. But three years ago, if you remember, he was the Brewers minor league pitcher in the organization. And he was lights out, and they expected him to come in, and he was one of the starting pitchers when it was uh, three rookies, Brandon Woodruff, Throw obviously Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta. Yeah. And him and Peralta didn't do so well, and he did the worst by far. But well, didn't he end up in, like, double A? Yeah, he fell as far to double A because of the struggles. Oof-da. But I mean, if you looked at him just 
three years ago, you thought, man, this guy's gonna be this guy's gonna be something for the Brewers. This yeah. guy's got a lot of potential. Well, wasn't he working on a third pitch as well? Yeah, because he had the fastball and the slider. So I'm, in, I was interested to see that uh, he was striking people out with a fastball slider, but no, no other third <laughs> I pitch heard was the third pitch. Because last I, year they were talking about him working on the third pitch, and by the time that uh, they finally were talking about that third pitch, he was already getting sent down. Well, that was the thing. It was it wasn't that his ability was bad because even the last few years you saw him lighting up the radar gun. He does have a really good slider. Yep. It was just the changeup at that time that was questionable. Getting spanked. And then it wasn't so much his stuff. It was more or less his mindset. Was he mentally screwed up? Was yeah. he mentally weak because he just well, kept huge in crushed. baseball. That's huge in baseball, you know. And if he's got that. If the Brewers have a Corbin Burns from three years ago, but on their big league team, that's big for the Brewers. Just lights out. Especially because Brett Anderson, you talked about having the blister earlier. Yeah. So him and Hero were uh, getting looked at, checked out. Yeah. If you know anything about Brett Anderson's career, you know it's got a lot of injuries. Yeah, he does, can He it? can look decent as a big league pitcher, but he's on the shelf a lot. And now he's got a blister. How do you... You can't do anything for a blister. You just have to wait. Wait. And that's got to be like the hardest thing to do if you're a uh, season. Especially this season. Season starts in eight days. How do you wait in this season? If you wait, you're doomed. You're done, right? Season starts in eight days. I don't know exactly where they would pencil him in in the pitching rotation, but I mean, he could be, he should, in theory, be starting in less than two weeks. But who knows with a blister? God, a blister. All right. So. All right, I'm not comparing myself to a professional uh, Major League Baseball pitcher. I have two blisters right now on my my uh, pointer finger and my middle finger. I have two index. I have two blisters right now, Rowdy, because uh, my lawnmower on Saturday. I was trying to fire up my lawnmower. No, Sunday, Sunday. So on Sunday, I'm trying to fire up my lawnmower. Something's something's up with my engine. I've been tweaking with it, fiddling with it. I got to pull that rip cord like 30 times. It's it's insane. I don't know what's wrong with it. I'm fiddling around. I got my own small engine company working in my garage here, a.k.a. just me. But I pulled my ripcord about 30 times, finally started. By the time I was done pulling that ripcord, I got two blisters on my fingers. I'm going to time it. So this happened on Sunday. I want to see when these blisters are fully healed and they're stopped. You know how they're just a little, they've, a little tender. They sting a little bit. I'm not comparing myself to Brett Anderson, but I'm going to time it to see how long it, it takes. Right now we're, what's Thursday? So I'm going to time it and see how long it takes to uh, end the blister. Yeah, and that's with no therapy or healing or treatment. Nothing. That's just with me maybe putting some coconut oil on it. (laughs) So there's that. Tonight's going to be game three of the blue and gold series. Why do I keep saying World Series? Because I want the Brewers in the World Series so bad. The blue and gold series. What you do is is you go to just go to brewers.com. If you go to Brewers.com and right on their homepage, uh, 6.30 tonight is first pitch. So right on their homepage, when you go to Brewers.com, it should say Blue and Gold Series. And then it'll say Watch Live. And then you click on it. It should be the first thing that pops up on the homepage. Watch Live. You click on it. And then it'll come up. It'll probably play about a 30-second ad, maybe a minute ad. You'll get an ad right away. And then after that, you will get on your after another on your laptop or your desktop, minutes, you finally get a picture. You'll get a picture, <laughs> and you'll hear the audio, and you'll see the Brewers playing at Miller Park. Obviously, no fans in the stands, but it'll be the Blue and Gold Series, right? 
Yep, with B.A. and Rock on the call. Yeah, Sophia yep. Minnert, and then Brett Anderson, not Brett Anderson, Brent Suter was uh, doing a little color commentary as well last night. He even did some as, uh, Jim, as Jim Carrey, which was pretty pretty interesting. All righty then. All righty then. Brent Suter, <laughs> he's got the weirdo facial expressions down too uh, that Jim Carrey does. Here, in fact, here, here's a little sample of uh, Brent Suter impersonating Jim Carrey as he does a little call. Oh, 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 wrong button. Wrong wrong button. Jeez. Wrong button. Wrong button. Here we go. Here we go. You know, you know Brock, you're right. You're very right. <laughs> I am oh, doing this Brock. inning as Jim Carrey, and his stuff is nasty. Wow. Actually, Mr. Carrey, it's, uh, it's an honor to have you with us. Have you ever called play-by-play? <laughs> never. I have never done it, but I can tell you this. Very excited to be here. Glad <laughs> to join you fine folks up there in the booth. It's a 1-1 count. Corbin Burns takes a deep breath. Now he's not doing Jim Carrey. He's doing Ace Ventura, as we call him. Yeah. Does his unique, which is Jim Carrey, special but... batting approach, where he tips the bat, he takes it back, he takes it back a little more. Corbin Burns sets, he fires, and that's a spray Johnson to second base. Ronnie Rodriguez catches the ball. <laughs> Out. A spray Johnson. Spray Johnson. Two outs in the third. Burns has retired eight in a row. Jim. Did Burns was yes, he has, and I would call it dominant. It doesn't encompass what he's doing out there. Do you want me to play-by-play Healy's bat, bat as well? Of course I do. Your ground ball Arcia. He takes the play. He fires it to smoke so. And with the end of the inning, Corbin has retired 18 in a row, it seems. What's the score? The score remains 2-0. Who's, who's winning? The gold team is winning. Let me team tell you something. <laughs> His facial expressions are so bizarre. This game. All right, so Brewers.com. These messages brought to you by sponsors of the club. All right, so Brent Suter, it's not even really a Jim Carrey voice impersonation. It's just him doing weirdo facial expressions like Jim Carrey does. Yeah. That's, it, about, that's about all it really was. And him going and just extending his like sentences, the end of his sentences. It's like when most people Crazy. do a Crazy. Harry, Harry Carey impression, they do Will Ferrell's doing impression of, of Harry Carey. Of Harry Carey. I can eat the moon. Oh. <laughs> you are hot dog. Would you eat yourself? Would you eat yourself? I know I would. I know I would. Do you guys think the moon is made of ribs? <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I do. I, I do. Hi, <laughs> everybody. Head, a little head wiggle going Hi, everybody. Oh, then. What is it with some Hollywood guys? They're just weirdos, dude. So I hope that I hope that answered your question, uh, Gary. Brewers.com. And then just um, you can watch it on your computer what I did. It was what I put it on. I have a Chromecast. So I went on my laptop, and I just had the option to. Now, if you need help with that, too, you can call me off air, and I'll try to help you with that as well if you have a Chromecast or a Fire Stick. But you can throw it on your TV from your laptop, your browser, and then you can watch it on your TV. In fact, uh, uh, hey, what's up, Brad? B underscore Rad 08 just tweeted at me. Debo says, even easier way, at least for me, to watch the Brewers is to download the Major League Baseball app, especially if you have a Fire Stick. You open the app, and you can watch it from there, and it is actually better quality. That's what I did last night. Worked better than the way it did the night before. So there you go. I hope that answers your question, Gary. If not, we'll be taking a break here in 10 minutes if you want to call back in, and uh, we can discuss it further. But, yeah, dude, yesterday, last night, our boy, Nelly, and we were talking about this, Burns was dealing. Touched 98 miles per hour with the fastball, retired all seven batters he faced with seven strikeouts. That's a good sign, right, Rowdy? Oh, 100%. Brewers are looking, always looking for starting pitching, right? I feel like that's a thing every single year. It does seem so. 
since I've started watching the Brewers in the last basically 20 years, <laughs> when's the last time you've ever felt super confident about their rotation? Oof. The entire rotation? The entire rotation. We're like, man, they got a really good pitching the staff. The entire rotation. Um, I'd have to go back and look at some of the Ben Sheets teams no, just to see. I don't think you want to go back and look no, at that. No, but I mean, some of the other pitchers were decent. It's just the team was that bad. Like, Jim Rome never referred to them as the Brewers. They were always the windmills because they led the league in strikeouts like almost every year before strikeouts were cool. Rome here. This is the windmill team. Hot takes. Not sucking. <laughs> but what up, clones? Back before strikeouts were cool and launch angles were a thing and, like, having a 200 batting average was considered bad, the Brewers were that team. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Uh, what would you go back and say you actually felt comfortable about the, uh, about the starting rotation? I'm going to say the last time I felt really good about it was when they had Zach Grinke, Ivani Gallardo, and Sean Markham. You're, could you name the other two? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, man. Of like, When was that? Would that have been 2008? Uh, sounds right, but you have to go Google that for me <laughs> or for yourself. You'll have to you Googleize it. Uh, it's a you Googleizer, someone who speaks at funerals. <laughs> I don't know what it's funny because the most success they've had 2008. Is, ben, you said Ben Sheets, right? I'm trying to remember if it's it, either so it was Gallardo. If it was 2008, uh, Sheets was on that team still. He remember, he just didn't make the playoff team. Uh, it's either eight or eleven. Gallardo ended up starting the playoffs. Um, just yeah, I mean, we're struggling with trying to find the last time we were confident in the Brewers' starting pitching rotation. It, <laughs> yeah, here here's 2011. It was Zach Greinke, Vardy Gallardo, Sean Markham, Randy Wolf, Chris Narvison. Oh, Narvatron, dude, Chris Narvison, hell yeah. That was the year I was thinking of, not 08. Well, 08, you're. You were Sheets, Sabathia, Gallardo, uh, your boy Supon. <laughs> Supon just makes that so that's much just, worse. Then you throw it out of the bathwater. Dave Bush with the high socks. Um, our, our guy Seth McClung was on the team. McClung then. like a horse, baby. Uh, and Manny Parra. And that was when Manny Parra had like one good season. And Tim Dillard. <laughs> Tim Dillard. Yeah, that guy got old in two th- since two thousand eight. <laughs> okay, isn't it crazy though? In twenty, you know, remember when the Brewers made it to the NLCS against the Dodgers? Could have gone to the World Series. Yeah. How confident were you in the starting pitching rotation then? That's the farthest they've been in quite some time. Yeah. Well, but okay. So, who was all on that start? You got Chase Anderson. Was Cor- Corbin Burns? Was he peaking in the starting pitching rotation in twenty eighteen? Uh, he remember he started because he was one of the three rookies in the in the rotation. Dude, it was Zach Woodruff, Davies. Mm-hmm. It was Woodruff, and you had uh, Corbin Burns, and then Freddie Peralta. Freddie were the Peralta. Three rookies. Yeah. Then you had Zach Davies, and was it Wade Miley? No. no uh, Who was at the end of the season? Dude. Well, they had they were mixed matching. Well, I mean, everyone. it was it was such a it was such a mismatch of everyone at the end there. You can't I can't even keep it all straight. It's funny, the least confident you ever felt, wasn't it 2018, like, oh, man, they're going to blow it, they're going to blow it. 2011 was definitely... 2017? Yeah, 18 when the playoffs, yeah. 2011 was best, definitely the best rotation I can think of. All right, so 2018's uh, was Davies, Nelson, and Chase Anderson, 
Garza, Brent Suter, oh, and Junior Guerra were the six guys who were considered your regular starters. And um, did you, how confident were you to feel then? Or that was that was twenty seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Um, the Brewers I, starting pitching you rotation. Felt, you felt okay about it. <laughs> It's like, I mean, you trusted in Craig Council. You're like, all right, he's going to pull all the right strings. He's going to do all the right things. And then, yeah, you forgot Jolie's Chassin's one good year. Yeah, oh. one good year. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2018, uh, you lose Chasen. You lose Jackin? Uh Chase Anderson, Guerra, Suter, Wade Miley, and Pearl. And in 18, Gio? Chase, Chase was coming off that extremely good 2017. Yep. And then kind of had that dud. Yeah. What about Gio out. Gonzalez was decent at the end there when they got him? Yeah. Yep. It has to be 2011. That's the last time you felt super confident? Not super confident, but I mean, the compared, most to, compared conf- to the other years. The most confident. <laughs> <laughs> all those. Oh, the Brewers. I love them, man. Absolutely love them. Um, so, yeah, then yesterday, also last night, they pulled Brett, speaking of pitchers, they pulled Brett Anderson with a blister. And then Keston Hira also got a scratch because he had a right elbow soreness, arm soreness, or I'm sorry, fatigue is what they uh, dubbed it as. Yeah, definitely 2011. And then Rowdy, you know, yesterday when we were talking about the Brewers and they're piping in the crowd noise and you, I mean, we were saying like, I wouldn't really care for it. But Craig Council talked about it last night after the game. Craig Council said one reason to pipe in crowd noise without fans is so you don't hear things said by the pitcher and hitter that are not meant for, and I quote, tender ears. But we heard uh, Christian Yelich drop an F and an S-bomb. Well, we, yeah. And those are some tender ears. They have mics on the field anyway. Half the time you do pick up that stuff. Uh, Council said also, quote, from the dugout to the batter's box, it's good that not everything is heard, I guess is the best way to say it. Well, it's like in... Hey, old son I, of a I'd bitch, rather, give him the heater. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that's part of the game? I yeah. rather enjoyed, like, golf without the crowds because I didn't have to hear, mashed potatoes, get in the hole. I could hear, you know, in in, in a twosome on a, on a Thursday, I could hear a, after a guy made a pretty darn good putt. Well, that's an effing good putt right there. <laughs> yeah, people freaked out about that. Yeah, who who cares? I don't. I know. I know. We I'm talk. like Happy Gilmore out there. Yeah, if I if I've out golfing with you and you make a eighty foot putt from the fringe, I'm screaming. I did scream. Yeah. I, I oh I'm pretty God. sure I dropped some choice words. I did too. That, that, that. I like blacked out for a second because I made an eighty foot putt. For was that was that par or was that a birdie? That was birdie. Yeah. I, I like blacked out quickly, not because I was drinking too much, well, just because of how you just walked up. jubilant you didn't, you didn't I was. You line it up. You walked up, walked up, hit it, hit it, and did the old putter throw, screamed. <laughs> Half of the foursome's like, oh, you just wasted a putt. I'm like, no, I'm like, watch it, watch it, just watch it. I'm walking up. It's like, it's like the, I should have, I did like the equivalent of a bat flip. I'm standing next to the hole watching and he it just up. asked me to pick up his ball for him. It's like when you know, when you know that pitcher comes out and he, he knows he's got that last nasty strike, ball's still in the air and he's already walking off the mound. He knows it's already a strike. Yep. And the pitcher's already like to the dugout because he knows it's done. We made birdie. That was me we made away. birdie with no putts. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> technically you weren't on the green. Oh, <laughs> all right. We weren't. God, I just I'm glad baseball's on kind of TV. It's it's nice. <laughs> A little bit TV. Yeah. I saw this uh, on Twitter yesterday, and I was like, "Damn, that is cool." <laughs> there are only ten teams 
with winning records against ranked opponents in the last 10 years for college basketball. <gasps> and your Wisconsin Badgers are on that list, baby. What? Oh, yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So here we go. I'm going to go the winning percentage versus ranked teams last decade. Last I checked, that was 10 years. Number one, Kansas has a 65.7%. Really? Yeah. Quick math. 65.7% is their winning percentage against ranked teams. Kansas is number one. Number two is Duke, 65.2%. Three, Kentucky, 62.6%. Four, Oregon, 59.6%. Number five, Virginia. Some say Virginia. 57.5%. Number six is Villanova, 55.1%. Seven is Michigan State at 55% even. Eight, tied. Eight is tied for Gonzaga and Arizona at... So that's eight and nine. <laughs> but here's what I don't get. They say it's tied, but Gonzaga's winning percentage is 53.8. Maybe it's a typo in the thing. And then Arizona's 52.4. Yeah, but, that's it's, not, but, that's not but it says eight and eight. So I'm going to say Arizona's ninth then. Yeah. And then rounding out... Is your Wisconsin Badgers for the top ten teams with or ten teams with winning records against ranked opponents in the last ten years? Wisconsin tenth, fifty point five percent. We're super coach Roy Williams and UNC. Where's all these teams? Well, Wisconsin is not any good. They're just a bunch of slow. They can't recruit. They, they can't suck. recruit. The swing offense stinks. It's a gimmick. Out of and all that's those why teams they get the wins. listed there. Oregon's got to be the biggest surprise, right? Or the fact that they're that high? Well, Pac-12 basketball has gone downhill. Uh, well, it shows. I guess, but that's for a decade span. Doesn't, doesn't this kind of show there's a lot of Big 12 and Pac-12 teams that were overranked and overhyped? Yes. <laughs> yes. Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, Oregon, Virginia, Villanova, Michigan State, Gonzaga, Arizona, and then your Wisconsin Badgers the only 10 teams with winning records against ranked opponents in the last 10 years. That's and a pretty good company for the Wisconsin On that Badgers. list, Wisconsin has beaten yes, they uh, have. a few of those. Uh, let's see. I'd say they have beaten who, RJ? In the last 10 years? Kentucky. Duke. Duke. In the ACC Big Ten Challenger. Duke? Is that out of 10 years already? No, that's within oh, that the 10 be. years. Yeah, Duke, Kentucky. Villanova. Michigan State. Michigan State. Arizona. Arizona. Um, uh, they, they beat Arizona they multiple times. Yeah. Well, same with Michigan State. <laughs> Did they beat Oregon, though, in the last 10 years? I feel like. I don't think so. Yeah. The the Badgers? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah they, they did. The I was going to say, they yeah, beat the them multiple yeah. times yeah. in NCAA tournament. I was thinking the most recent NCAA tournament, they didn't. Um, they played in, they didn't beat Virginia? Them, no. So. That's the ugly game Virginia won. Yeah, where it was uh, like 50 to 40. Yeah. And have they even played Gonzaga? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't recall a Gonzaga game. So Wisconsin's beaten every team on here besides Kansas, Virginia, and Gonzaga. Yeah. So out of the only 10 teams with winning records against ranked opponents in the last 10 years, the Badgers have beat seven of them, or six of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty damn good, eh? No. Well, you don't think so? No. <laughs> nah. No. Where's it's... the rest of the Big Ten in this? I mean, it's just Michigan State and the Wisconsin Badgers. Think about as of late is when the Big Ten's gotten much The better. best conference. Um, yeah, and I mean, hmm. for and then you've part also of that had... decade, Maryland wasn't in the Big Ten. Yep. Um, for part of that decade, uh, Rutgers has been bad. They're getting 
better now. Um, Minnesota was at the bottom of the barrel. I just like Rutgers has been bad. I mean, they have. They, I mean, there's no other way to say it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, um, you can't really say Rutgers has been good at any sport except for like college wrestling. Yeah, there's not many people follow. Only these like, two guys would in this room would know that. So the majority would know that. In this yeah, room. the majority of the this room knows that Rutgers is a beast college at wrestling. college wrestling. Extremely small sample size. Yeah. Of three well, people. and and that's yeah. only been. Recently as well, because for a while, a lot of the kids out of New Jersey were going elsewhere, and now all of a sudden, they closed that border, and uh, the Rutgers built a nice little wrestling team off of kids staying in state. So there you go. Um, But, I mean, even in the the Big Ten Conference for basketball, since it spans a decade, I feel like the Big Ten's had a lot of teams outside of Wisconsin and Michigan State that have had good spurts where it'd be like a few years but not right. consistently good over but a decade. They were like, beating the Michigan? teams they were supposed to and not beating. I mean Michigan have they fallen off, like, have they fallen off that much? Well, I mean you got to take into consideration when Beeline took over, they were not a good team. Yeah, that's true. Um so like for part of the last decade, uh even though we can remember them going to the elite 8 and the the final 4 wasn't it they've been Not, to two final, they've yeah. been to two yeah. championship games yeah, yeah. and uh, prior to that though they were absolutely still reeling from not being able to recover from uh the fab 5 the uh, uh the timeout that wasn't yeah <laughs> that was um, a long ass time ago but well like you said Maryland wasn't a part of the big 10 the whole right? time I mean, um, Illinois really. I can't. You can't say Illinois was really relevant in that decade. No, no. after after Luther had D Brown, Ohio uh, State Williams, a, and all those guys. Uh, Ohio, Ohio State, State had a couple flashes in the pan. Yeah, Ohio State was up, went no, down, like and now they're rising ride. again. Um, Penn State's been pretty much that whole decade was terrible. Right. Indiana lives off the movie The Hoosiers. Yeah, they've been bad. When um, was the last time Indiana was good? Was that Eric Gordon? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And how that, good that, were they then? I don't, was that even in this decade that they would be talking about? I feel like that was like oh nine. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but it, it, you keep going North, down that Northwestern, list. Northwestern, Minnesota. Right. Not good. Uh, Iowa has been able to beat the lesser opponents, and a Fran freakout probably every game against oh, ranked opponents has Rowdy. allowed them to lose. The Clippers drafted Eric Gordon in 2008. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it was 07. So, yeah, so it's definitely not the last decade. Yeah. And because I mean, who's the other guy on that team? The the bigger guy, White. Yeah, um, I'm, I, I don't DJ remember. White. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah there White. you go. Um, well done, Nelly. But I mean, that's when like the bank heard round the world when Brian Butch banked in a three to beat Indiana at Indiana was like the last time Indiana was good. And yeah, that was well. Look at Indiana. I mean, you had obviously Bobby Knight from 1971 to 2000. That was Obviously, then the Mike Davis era begins 2000 to 2006. Then you have Kel- Kelvin Sampson for hey, two that, years. That was when they were good, and then he got in some recruiting trouble because yeah. that was the Eric Gordon DJ White yeah. teams. Yeah. And then Tom Crean came in for and nine years. Totally just effed him. Yeah, <laughs> Tom Crean, the guy's a clown. <laughs> and then Archie Miller. So yeah. how about I mean Indiana? They're literally living off Bob Knight residuals and the movie The Hoosiers. <laughs> That's about it, isn't it? And it's not the Hoosiers isn't really about Indiana. <laughs> no, so, I mean they they just get the uh, they just get the jerseys in there a lot. Man, who do you think would be the third best team behind Wisconsin and Michigan State? Maybe Purdue. Yes, 
God. I, um, um, wow. That's a good question. Over a 10-year span? I'd say Purdue, probably. I, I mean, they've. you could I mean, name a, a decent amount if, of players. If there's were, a link, you could go deeper on that metric <laughs> to see what that next— my, my guess would be Purdue. That's a good question. Per, would Purdue be the— Like, I'd like to know the—because those are only winning records. Yeah. 11 is not a winning record, but by, like, how much? Dude, I'm going to effort that. I'm going to try and find some stuff and effort that. It's just crazy how much disrespect Wisconsin gets nationally— and, so and here they are, part of the only 10 teams with winning records against ranked opponents in the last 10 years. And don't forget Frank Kaminsky, the Big Ten Network, honored, awarded him the player of the decade. In the last decade of college basketball, 10 teams had winning records versus ranked opponents. Oh, i got to redo that. Had, in the last decade, I was redundant. In the last decade of college basketball, 10 teams had a winning record versus ranked opponents. Michigan State... They were 7th with a 55% winning percentage, and Wisconsin was 10th with a 50.5% winning percentage. In your opinion, who is the third best team in the Big Ten? Now, we're pulling up some numbers, we're pulling up some yada, 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 but if I were to tell you that Wisconsin was the second best team in the Big Ten for the last decade, you would say what? Would you, and without any numbers, would you believe me? I would believe you. Would you believe me, RJ? Yeah. Would the national landscape believe me? Or they would scoff at me and say, pfft. I mean, how? Maybe. But then you go, well, I got the numbers to prove it. Ten teams with winning records against ranked opponents the last ten years. Wisconsin, tenth, 50.5%. No one else in the Big Ten besides Michigan State, who is seventh, is. Is it Purdue? Is Purdue the third best team? Purdue would be my guess. I I would say yes. I just take out winning percentage. Like, when you got, who passes the smell test, the eye test? Purdue, how many guys just transferred out of Purdue? Didn't that big, uh, that big guy from Holland, is he from Holland? Harms? He transferred out. A ton of dudes are out of Purdue. Purdue is like, is Purdue like the little brother of uh, Wisconsin? Like they, I, they're kind of similar, not offensively, but recruiting and, and just, are they kind of like the little brother of Wisconsin? No. I wouldn't, yeah, can, I wouldn't when consider When you can get a Caleb Swan again, a Haas and... Or Haas, not Harms, a Haas. That's uh, all the, Jawan no, Johnson. They Harms. No, they Harms, yeah, he transferred. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but if you can... Was Haas the big freak show that poked eyes? No, the, you're talking about the Woodbury from Wood, Iowa. Yeah, that's Adam Woodbury. No, Purdue, Purdue had a guy, too, that was a big guy that poked a couple eyes, too, I think. Anyways, whatever. They, Purdue that. always got some big freak shows, too. Yeah, but no. Uh, and I say that lovingly. Per, Purdue goes after a different recruit than Wisconsin does. Okay. Uh, they, they are more in line with the guys they're trying to get are the guys... Uh, like Michigan State and like running something of a more up tempo offense, um, with you know easy transition buckets rather than a more slow down kind of uh footwork kind of yeah team. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I would say if you're looking at players that the other Big Ten teams are recruiting that would be close to Wisconsin, it'd probably be Northwestern. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. (laughs) Nationally, Wisconsin gets crapped on, right, RJ, right, Nelly? Like, disrespected nonstop. Sure. Sure or yes? No, I mean, yes. Rowdy? Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Are you saying yes, sir? What what, what is he saying? Right, meow. Rowdy? Yeah, Nationally, does Wisconsin get the respect it deserves? Outside of a few broadcasters, yes. So when you look at these numbers, Wisconsin is in the same class 
when it comes to beating opponents with winning records, ranked opponents, I should say, ranked opponents. Wisconsin's up there with Arizona, Gonzaga, Michigan State, Villanova, Virginia, Oregon, Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas. I'd say over the last few years, do you guys think that Wisconsin's garnered a lot more respect, especially in basketball? I feel like the last couple years they have from different broadcasters. I hear, dude, okay, let's go back to just the season that happened. There was... Everyone calling for the end of Greg Gard. A what hall? What call was it? What hall had it? Og Hall. Og Hall. New Og Hall. That that is the university. We would have never have done that. Last I checked, it is part of the University of Wisconsin, right? Yes. It is on campus, right? Correct. They spelled out Fire Guard, and even like players that were on other teams that part of the University of Wisconsin were. I saw like some football players liked the picture. Like I saw like Wisconsin Barstool tweeted it out, and people or. Instagrammed it out, and I saw some football players would like it. Even and then we had people calling in that guard can't recruit, guard needs to go, guard can't do this, guard can't do that, guard is making this program taking its steps back. Well, they won the Big Ten. He was coach of the year, and now last I checked, guard also coached in this last decade. Wisconsin is the only other team besides Michigan State out of the Big Ten to have a winning record against raked opponents in the last ten years. Is that good? That's good. Is it, though? I'm pretty sure it is. Guard doesn't know what he's doing. And, by the way, when Guard took over for Bo Ryan, that team was they weren't circling the drain, but they weren't looking pretty good. Right. Gardo redirected that team in in Sweet 16. And then after that, the amount of players who left after Guard took over because they weren't getting playing time, how many of them transferred to a D1 school? Well, if it was a D1 school, it was not good. Right. Where like Ty Strickland go? They either ended up... Temple. <laughs> but I, I'm, he he was part of a guard recruiting class. I'm talking about the guys who were still a Bo Ryan oh, recruiting class. Oh, talking about like Andy Van Vliet. Yeah, Van, where and, Van, and what, didn't one go to... A couple went to D3 schools D2, or D2, D2 schools. Yeah. Uh, not very many of them transferred to D1 schools and got... Playing time, yeah. So, um, or they quit, so, right? Or Alex they just Illicanian. well, remember, yeah, or they just stop playing basketball. Yeah. So I mean, it. Like Alex Ilkanen, that's who we went to. A... Even though, like, a lot of a lot of the guys who helped Bo Ryan get to those Sweet Sixteens, Elite Eights, Final Fours, uh, they credited Greg Gard as being their lead recruiter. Yeah. Now I don't know what happened in some of those final years where. Those classes where Wisconsin was being like top 25 and all of a sudden they were like 40th or whatnot. And people are like, oh, don't worry. It's the like something happened where some of those guys just weren't either not committed enough to get well, better the, or whatnot. But it was the Alex Ilocanon, Khalil Iverson, Charlie Thomas, it was that class. Yeah. That was just when you, horrible. When they ended their career and only th- those three you ever really heard from uh and really it was just Khalil Iverson yeah that's why that whole recruiting class was so bad it yeah. made the rest of the team yeah and Charlie Thomas for or Charles or whatever he wanted to go by Charles. by the end of it i mean he he was okay but when you have Khalil Iverson really be the only standout guy in an entire class that relies on staying in the program and making steps every every year. I mean, well, okay. it, it hurts the well, program it, when well, what a I'm class getting at doesn't is, make that step. What I'm getting at is 
when you look at these numbers for Wisconsin against ranked opponents and the people that they're along with, and they're the only other team out of the Big Ten besides Michigan State to be a part of this top ten list of people who have winning records the last ten years against ranked opponents, mm-hmm. and then I'm talking about they never get the respect they get national, they never get respect nationally, and then you even come right here into Madison where the team's not even getting respect. Yet here they are winning the Big Ten, Coach of the Year, going to Sweet Sixteens. You have uh, people even in the the, the state saying that this is just terrible. And then you right. go look at it nationally. I remember, didn't Bomani Jones block you on Twitter, Nelson? Yeah, but he's a bum anyways. But he, and he, nationally, what was the story that he blocked you over? Him ripping apart Wisconsin, all because of Brad Davison taking some charges. Yeah. You, they never talk about anything good about Wisconsin nationally. And then you go look at just in-state here. Last year, it was a, when it comes to the fan base, I was not happy. I got caught up into a little bit, sure, when you lost to Richmond, and you lost to... Um, was it Richmond and who was the other? New Mexico? Yeah. I was like, okay, what the hell's going on? Well, then it turns out it was, it was the Kobe King situation. Right. And then what did Guard do? The, the, the year that just happened was like a movie. Yeah. Was, you couldn't write a better script. Well, the ending kind of sucked because of COVID-19, but you couldn't write a better ending. But you did get named national champs. True. On this show. Guard called well, national champs on the show. Or by computer simulation. And then by computer simulation. By ESPN. Over BYU. Over BYU. And then we did our own bracket challenge. Yep. Where Wisconsin won again, so Off three of times. What the projected field was going to be. Yeah, three times. I'm going to say though, since 2014, I'm going to say Wisconsin has gotten a lot more respect in the national media than they had previous to 2014. Yeah, when because now you. Oh, even, here I even hear reporters. Sorry, right? I even hear reporters coming in. That's going to come up at 8:20 here. Coming up, Rob Rice is going to join us. Even yeah. Rob came in talking about how this program's in disarray. How is it in disarray? Oh, it's, all right, continue, Rowdy. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you hear a lot of national pundits now talking and respecting Wisconsin. Like, oh, this team's pretty good. Or, you know, insert something here that's positive. Like the Dan Dockages on the broadcast. Like the Fran Fischillas. For some reason, Dan Dockage just hates Frank Kaminsky. Oh, they go like, back and forth he, nonstop he on He loves Twitter. the program, but hates Frank like, Kaminsky. You can, name, you can name multiple guys like that that have, you know, in the last five years have talked glowingly about Wisconsin yep. for the most part. And especially Greg Gard. Those guys were not saying that before 2014. Yeah. Well, you're talking about a small minority of national guys. Then I hear other people saying they went to back-to-back Final Fours and made a championship game, and look what they've done. Nothing from it. They didn't recruit. They didn't do anything from it. If anything, they have took steps back from it. Huh? Yeah. Uh, it, huh? It's, it's one of those things. Like, during this season, when internally the team was like we know what we're we have to fix and we're going to do it and the coaching staff said the same thing they they were one unified voice the coaching staff the players and you know uh it was addition by subtraction it, it seems like and like we've talked about before uh kobe king says he's like done with basketball for this year and maybe forever hopefully everything's all right there but clearly something wasn't right with him in the locker room. Yeah. And once that situation took care of itself, the team seemed to have gotten better. Like a phoenix from and the ashes. Also, don't forget, you had uh, certain individuals get off of NCAA's dumbass rules. Yeah. Micah Potter. And you had... Who is engaged now, by the way. Yeah, I saw that. And you had incoming recruits say, guess what? Coach guard isn't there? I'm not coming. Yeah. And, like, all these people were in the camp... All the internal people were in the camp of Wisconsin basketball. Externally, when people couldn't get a straight answer because, you know what, they don't have to give you one, 
people were all doom and gloom, and it, sorry to say, it worked itself out. Just like it, it so normally does with Wisconsin basketball, yeah. it seems like. There it is. Oh, the sultry voice of Eddie Vedder, but even the more sultry voice of Rob Reichel. Robbie, what's up? Well, believe me, I can't hold a candle to Eddie. No, nobody can other than maybe Robert Plant, but... Uh, Ooh. I appreciate that intro, Evo. Good stuff. Robert Plant. Now, there's a singer, Rob. That is a singer. Now, that's a man of myth and a legend. And <laughs> any of the young kids don't know, go uh, go read Hammer of the Gods and, and pop that movie in. That'll, that, that'll be a fun little Thursday project. I would you. just say if um, I would not want to go fishing with Led Zeppelin and then go to a hotel room, if you know that story, what I'm talking about, Rob. If not, oh, I, I know, I know, I'm, I know most of this. They were, they were the band of my youth, Evo. So I yeah, love me some yeah, Zeppelin, that. dude. I love Zeppelin. Every every yeah, album is just stuff. a work of art. Yes, sir. Rob, am, am I, I'm a, what's your favorite Zeppelin song? Maybe I'll play that for your outro. Ooh. Um, God. It, you know, I, I was more a, a what's my favorite album guy. Okay, what's your album? Then I'll just Evo. pick one off of there. You know, um... I'll be cliche and go with four, but um, it, it it is tough to beat one. Now that was some intro there in the in the late sixties when oh, dude. when they broke onto the scene with that. You want to take anything off a of one or four, and I'm good. Rob, done. I'll do it. I'll leave it as a surprise before we uh, unfortunately we'll have to let you go in about. Eh, we'll, we'll see how long we last in this segment, but time is the, uh, of the essence right now, Robbie. Before we hear Led Zeppelin, how about this? The Packers have come out to say there is going to be no fans allowed at training camp at family night, at home preseason games. This was inevitable. But what does this mean for, you know, you're a family man. Did you ever bring your kids, or did you ever like going to family night? Did you ever like going to a training camp, obviously, as a reporter? What's this mean for you? My, my kids are more, they haven't gone to much Packers stuff. Evo. They're more Brewer kids and stuff like that, which obviously it's a similar situation over at Miller Park. But, yeah, I mean, across the board, it, we, I think we all knew and saw that this was coming. Um, I, I think the model, if, if there's any fans, uh, if and when a season arrives, Evo is going to be a small percentage in, in, inside of Lambeau Field, probably 20,000 max, maybe 15, maybe 10, maybe none. Um, Evo, I, none of this is a surprise. Um, I, I don't want to get into the politics of the virus or anything yeah, like that. We'll Evo, stay politic-free. Yeah, well, let, let, let's totally stay away from that. Um, it's, 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 you're going to see it. It's, it's going to be widespread. It's going to be at everybody's camps. It's going to be at everybody's, you know, two preseason games if they have those. It's going to be at everybody's regular season games if, if they wind up having those. But we're, we're going to, I mean, we're, we're crossing our fingers that camp starts here in the next couple of weeks. We're crossing our fingers that there are actual games, but. Evo, it just seems like every single week and every single day and almost every single hour, the next the next shoe drops and and something happens to to one of these sports leagues and in one of these teams, etc. And I don't know, I I, I kind of lose optimism almost <laughs> almost every single day, Evo, that, that we'll wind up even having a season. Oh, I lost a lot of optimism when the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I guess Philadelphia itself, city officials came out to say that they're not going to allow fans in the stands. Eagles hadn't said right. anything, but right. that right there, I was like, oh. God. All right, Robbie, but let's let's say a season is going to happen because we did, to quote Mike McCarthy, I am the captain of hope at times. So <laughs> you have an article out here at Forbes.com, and I love it, the five burning questions for the Green Bay Packers. What was your leadoff for the biggest question that the Packers have entering in this season? 
Yeah, you know, Evo, it, it's so crazy. I'm, I'm kind of plowing through it, writing this stuff like, like we're going to have a season in the back of your mind. You, you know, maybe there's a 50 percent or whatever the percentage is chance that that we won't. But, but I, we're, we're trying to go on business as usual and, and give the fans and give the people what they want leading in into training camp. Um, and, and I think without question, if, if, if we do have a training camp, if we do have a season, the number one question is how does Aaron Rodgers respond to having his heir apparent on, on the roster? Um, since Rodgers, Ebo, was put into the starting lineup in, in 2008, there, his, his replacement was not on the team. It was not on the roster, and, and he knew that. Um, you know, they spent a second, second-round draft pick in, 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 his, in his first season as a starter on Brian Brom. Who, who couldn't play and was out, out of Green Bay in a year, and really from that point forward, Rodgers has had no pressure. There's there's going to be the tendency, and, and it's just human nature, to look over your shoulder when you know the guy who's going to eventually replace you is, is one locker or two lockers down and um, in the same meetings with you every single day. I, I think Rodgers will handle the situation um, just, as a, just as a guy, as a human, probably better than Brett Favre did, who was pretty relentless in, in picking on Rodgers and – and it certainly had uh, I love those you know stories. issues with him being on the, on the team and on the roster, and um, I don't think Rogers will, will be you know treat treat love in the, in the manner that Favre treated Rogers. <laughs> but but again, Rogers knows. I mean, Rogers is remarkably smart. We've talked about this many times. Rod, Rogers could do the math and and see that by 2022, this is going to be Jordan Love's football team in all likelihood. Evo, there have been 55 quarterbacks taken in the first round. Um, in 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 the last twenty years, and and the only one that's taken longer than two years to move into the starting lineup was Aaron Rodgers, um, who sat behind Brett Favre for three years, and then obviously took it over in his fourth season. And and I don't think that'll be the case here. The financials say that you can get love on the field pretty easily by twenty twenty two, and if Rodgers can, continues to slide and continues to decline as he has in, in recent years. Again, he's still a top-ten quarterback, Evo, but he's not in that discussion anymore of number one, two, three, um, I, don't, I don't think. And um, if, if he continues to slide and drop a little bit, um, again, it, it's, it's going to put a lot of pressure on him. All eyes are going to turn to love. Rodgers isn't going to enjoy answering questions week in and week out about his future and his job status and, and things like that. So, we we could have a we could have a situation brewing here, Evo, in the next in the next year where things get really really dicey over in Green Bay. Rob, you mean to tell me that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to take a page out of Brett Favre's book and take Jordan Love's practice helmet, tell the whole team it's for charity, make them all sign it, and then put it back in the in uh, Love's locker like Favre did Rodgers? Hey, I put nothing past any of these guys, Evo, but but again, Rodgers <laughs> and he and he and I have talked about this for the last. You know, dating back Evo to about 2014, 2015, when when I did the last book on the Packer quarterbacks that I that I wrote, just just how he would handle the situation, and he even said at the time, God, I sure I sure think and I sure hope I'm better than than Brett was <laughs> to me because Brett was not good. Brett Brett did not Brett did not uh, appreciate one one bit of Aaron Rodgers being put on that team. Uh, by Ted Thompson. Neither did Mike Sherman. Obviously, he lost his job a year later. So, no, I, I think Rodgers will be a little bit better. But again, Evo, it, it's it's like any business. If you know, if if they bring in a guy to to replace me at, at my newspapers and and websites, if if they bring in a new salesman and and your top salesman at your company is looking over his shoulder, thinking that this is the guy to replace him, it's human nature to. I mean, it, it's going to be tough to treat that guy real well. 
And, um, you know, that, that'll be, again, one of the challenges Rodgers faces, in addition to the fact his play on the field the last two years has not been nearly as good as his MVP seasons of 11 and 14. Uh, Rob Reichel joining us right now, Forbes.com. Robbie, looking over your latest article here. Now, this is something that um, I thought was a kind of a hot seat, and there was a rumor that maybe he wasn't going to come back because uh, what's been the Packers' Achilles heel for as long as I can remember? The defense, essentially, uh, outside of maybe a couple of years here and there, that Super Bowl run, 2010-2011, uh, but uh, he's brought in to have a good defense. Obviously, the 49ers exposed that for what it was. It was not that great of a defense. How hot is Mike Pettin's seat? Yeah, I think it's pretty warm, Evo. I, I really do. I think it's a 7 or 8, let's just say, out, out of 10. I mean, that it was that morning in, in late January when LaFleur came out to do a season-ending press conference and again, I, I don't know. So the question was posed to him just about Mike Patton's future. And that's after Green Bay, you know, had allowed 285 rushing yards in the NFC championship game where he most start ran wild for four touchdowns. And, and, and LaFleur was asked about Patton coming back, uh, in 2020. And he said, well, I don't really have an answer yet. We're working through things. We're evaluating things. And I don't know if LaFleur just wasn't prepared for that question, Evo, or if, you know, he, he was actually 50-50 on, on bringing Petten back at that time. You know, and, and, that, and that went crazy then the rest of that morning that, you know, the, the Internet blew up with that and, where, you know, what's happening with Mike Petten. And by the afternoon, the Packers had put out word that Petten was coming back. Um, how exactly LaFleur feels about Petten, none, none of us really know. Petten, Petten was hired by McCarthy. Um, LaFleur kept him around last season. But then in the offseason – he brought in Jerry Gray, who's been a who's been a defensive coordinator in two places, Buffalo and Tennessee. And in, so, if if things go bad, if, if things go south and are sour out of the shoot, Evo, if the Packers are giving up twenty nine points a game over the first six weeks or something like that, don't be shocked to see a move made where Gray steps in and, and takes over for Pettin. Um, Green Bay's defense did make strides overall last year, Evo. They were. You know, they went from about 25 points a game in 2018 to allowing about 20 a game last year. They, they improved dramatically in, 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 um, in, the, in the secondary as a pass defense overall, Evo. They had a lot of top 10 numbers there. Uh, the run defense was absolutely abysmal, though. They ranked in the bottom quarter of the league in most, uh, most stats that really matter. And then you obviously saw what the 49ers did in the NFC Championship game. And, and Evo, almost as concerning there is the fact that Mike Pettin just didn't adjust in that game. Right. He, 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 he was focused so much on the passing game and Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo threw, threw eight passes that day, Evo. The 49ers ran the ball 42 out of 50 times, and Pettin simply didn't adjust. He didn't go to his big man personnel until the fourth quarter of that game, and, and by then we all know it was over. It was 27 nothing at halftime. The 49ers were running wild, and Pettin just didn't make the adjustments. And, and I think as Bluer broke down film, in the off season, or certainly in the moments after that game, it really had to resonate with him that man, what are we doing here? What what was going on on defense? How, how did it take us three quarters to adjust right to what Kyle Shanahan and his people were doing? It, it was an embarrassing night for the Packers, and and that's why I think Petten's uh, seat is extremely warm, Ebo. Yeah, definitely, Robbie. Uh, I want to save the rest of your article for people to read at Forbes dot com, or they can go to your Twitter account at Rob Reichel to check it out. It's it's phenomenal work. Per usual, though, Robbie. Come on, man. But before I let you go, 
Uh, my I, agent, my agent, Evo. <laughs> that's right. Oh, hey, I'll be your agent, bro. So before I let you go, Robbie, as your agent, I do know you also have an affinity for Wisconsin basketball, a big fan of them. And we were talking a little bit about this quick, not to change gears completely on you, but only 10 teams with winning records against ranked opponents in the last 10 years. And out of the Big Ten, only two teams make it. Kansas is number one, Duke two, Kentucky three, Oregon four, Virginia five, six is Villanova, seven is Michigan State, eight Gonzaga, nine Arizona, and rounding out the top ten, the only ten teams in the last ten years with a winning percentage that's you know good against ranked opponents, your Wisconsin Badgers. How about that, Robbie? Nice. So um, nice. Uh, I just had so to the, share that little tidbit with you because I know you're a Badger fan, big time. So, so Bucky is 10, and I, I'm sorry, but who is the other big 10 team? Michigan State at 7. Oh, I thought Michigan might have been in there too. Michigan no. State at 7. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Michigan yep. State's okay. a winning percentage of 55%, and Wisconsin is 50.5%. I ask you, when will they start getting the respect nationally, Rob? You know, it's, I think they had it after 2015, Evo. Let's... Let's be honest. I, I think an opportunity was missed there to capitalize on things. But I, I, I think it was on the way back this year, and then we obviously had the NCAA tournament taken away from us. And But I'll tell you, Evo, if, if we have basketball in 2020-2021, with what that group is bringing back, and we all saw what, well, we all saw what Potter did to, to finish last season. That that was a top-10 team in, in, in the country with Potter. If, that whole group is coming back, and if we have basketball, Evo, I there'll Let's be go. a lot of respect. Show, there'll go. be a lot of respect for Bucky by the end of 2021. Let's go, Robbie. You and I, as your agent, I'll take you to the Final Four. We'll watch Wisconsin do it. How's that sound? Now that now that sounds like a weekend from heaven. Yes, book it now, Evo. And I'll get some special masks for us too if we still need them by then. Okay, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the elections will be over, Evo. I don't think we'll need the mask. Good point, Robbie. Before I let you go, how can everyone uh, read along? And what do you got churning out for Forbes.com? Yeah, we just we just keep plowing away with with stuff, Evo. I'm going to start position overviews here in the next couple of days where people can jump on. And, and read a, a position-by-position breakdown heading into training camp. I'm counting down my most important Packers. I was up to number 13 today. That was Adrian Amos. Yesterday was Mason Crosby at 14. We're, we're quickly approaching the top 10. We're going to top, yeah, top 10, and we'll, we'll, we'll time that out where we get to number one right when training camp kicks off, Evo. And, and obviously with camp just a couple of weeks away, we hope, um, you know, there will be a lot of news coming out, shareholder stuff, financials with the team. So, yes, jump on Forbes.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Rob Reichel. And, and uh, for all Love the latest it. and best Packer stuff you can find, Evo. And Rob was my uh, one the levy breaks choice. All right with you off of Led Zeppelin 4. Oh, my God. Yes, it was. Love it. Yes, it was. You're bringing me back to very happy times, Evo. I appreciate that. Hey, we know we're not getting in 2020, so at least we're getting to reminisce on stuff. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, brother. Have a good day. There he is, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com. Good stuff there from Robbie.